Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, um, I, I love Christmas Greenhouse. I'm excited about getting to worship with all these students and, um, and just give you glory and honor and praise for the fact that you sent your son for us. And that he came in this crazy way on Christmas Day when he was born in this stable and placed in a manger in, in the least flashy way possible. And God, you, you sent him for us. And we're here to celebrate that tonight. So I pray that you would meet with us. That you'd speak to our hearts through the worship and through looking at your word. And that we would... Go out of this place excited and honestly worshipful because of Christmas. We love you. It's your son's name, pray. Amen. Come now, long expected Jesus. One of my favorite things to reflect on um, involving my faith and this, the, the craziness of God's word is, is how long uh, this Savior was expected. It's, it's difficult for me to imagine being on the other side of Christmas, to be one that was, was living before Christ and, and, and awaiting and longing and praying and hoping for this Savior to come. That's difficult for me to imagine because my Jesus has always been available to me. In Genesis 3, uh, Adam and Eve broke something um, that's very difficult to fix. They broke the relationship that they and, and really we have with our Heavenly Father. By their sin, they, they separated themselves from God. And God put a plan into motion right there in the garden at the very beginning of, of history, put a plan in motion to bring about a rescuer, to send someone to fix what, what, what was splintered and shattered in that, in that moment by their sin. He, sent, he, he started a plan right, right there for us. As we look into scripture, we see, um, we see God weaving this ribbon of salvation all the way through history. And along that ribbon, we see, we see God drawing out a people that, that he's going to call his own. And him, him bringing them together in, in, in a very special, intentional way and, and creating a people for himself. But we also see those people time and time again fall away. And we see in their sin, our sin reflected. And sometimes when I, read, when I read about the disobedience of, of Israel, or I, I read about the disobedience of people against God, I'm reminded of my own, and, and I, I wonder, I just wonder all over again why God would come for people like us, for people like that, people who've, who just intentionally turn away time and again. And I'm forced to reflect on the fact that, that God did this whole thing, put this whole plan in motion, not because he had to, but because he wanted to, because it's in his nature to love us. It's just who he is. So we see God bringing about a people. We see a people turning away. We see God being patient and merciful, but also just and wrathful. I love reflecting across the Old Testament and looking at the way God was putting pieces in place to bring about this rescue plan. And for millennia, God is at work bringing about this, this perfect moment to send his son, his very son here for us. Standing in the face of all, all of the sin and all the brokenness that had come before and would come after, God steps up into the middle of it and provides hope where there was no hope provides redemption and repair where there was no availability of repair. 
God steps up into the gap in the midst of all of our sin and brokenness and gives us a solution. This ribbon that weaves all the way across the Old Testament, beginning in the garden, and it ends in a manger. In this beautiful, simplistic moment that we call Christmas. It's in Luke 2. We've read it. Andrew read a little bit of it earlier, and we're going to read more of it now. Luke 2, beginning in verse 1. It's just a very familiar story. And I, but I, I want you to listen to it with new ears. I want you to hear it like you've never heard it before. And think about the thousands of years that led up to just this. Just this. Thousands of years of God at work to bring about these moments. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. <laughs> and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there wasn't a place for them in the inn. It says, in that same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, like an enveloped them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto, this, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. For unto you, look at that, for unto you, shepherd, for unto you is born this day a Savior. For unto you, teenager, is born that day a Savior. For unto you, uh, leaders, a Savior was born that day for us. Unto you. And this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swallowing cloths and lying in a manger. I love that. I love, I love the simplicity of that story. I love that, that the guy didn't, didn't send his son with great fanfare. Just thousands of years of God at work results in simply that. A baby being born to a young girl outside in like a cave lean-to manger thing. And the baby being the baby, the, the savior, the king of the world, who'd been that long-awaited Jesus laid in a, basically a horse trough. It's amazing to me to think about being alive before that moment, looking ahead to it and imagining what it would be like. Do you think this was what you would have imagined? And then things get crazy. So you got this angel standing there talking to some shepherds, right? There's an angel, like a, a, a heavenly host, like a, a supernatural being is standing there talking to a shepherd and explaining basically that God has sent his son for them. Basically explaining the, the beginning part of the gospel story. And gives them the information, right? And the information's been provided just like so many times in greenhouse, in junior high or senior high greenhouse, the information is provided to you. And then it comes time for response. 
Everything else that happens after, this, after that moment in this story becomes response. The, the facts have been given. It's been proclaimed. The, the, the shepherds know what's going on. They know where they need to go. They know where the baby's going to be found. The angels have said everything they need to say. All that's left to do is just do something about it, right? And last year, if you remember, uh, when we were in here, we talked about the shepherds and we focused really hard on them and the way that they responded to the truth of this message, that, that God came for them. And we, we imagine them running down the hillside and, and running through Bethlehem and looking for this baby and coming, skidding to a hall right in front of the manger and looking down into this thing at the savior of the world. Now, I'll be honest with you, every, every time I've read the story, at least, I guess, recently, man, I've, I've really focused on the shepherds. I'm just really enamored with them because I, that's, that's me. That's, that's where I come into this story. I'm the one that the message came to, and I get to go, and I get to, I get to chase after this Jesus. That's, that's me. And I, I skip over 13 and 14. I skip over verse 13 and 14. And this year, I've focused really hard on this. We've been, we've been planning Christmas Greenhouse for like six weeks, and I've been focusing on 13 and 14 for six weeks, trying to wrap my head around what happens because it's weird. It's not that it doesn't show up anywhere else in scripture. Nothing like, nothing like 13 and 14 happens really anywhere else. You got to remember that before this moment that, that God's presence dwelt in the temple. That was what God had, had this, the way he set it up, that his presence was going to be in the temple and they went to the temple and, and, uh, and the, the priest would go in and they would make sacrifice before God in the temple. And that's just the way it happened. Supernatural stuff didn't, wasn't expected outside of the temple. God was expected to be there, not out in the field by Bethlehem. But it says here that suddenly there was an angel, suddenly there with the angel was a multitude of the heavenly hosts, a multitude, a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he's pleased. A multitude of heavenly hosts, just like vortexes out of the sky or something. I, I, I've been thinking about what this would look like and I just keep imagining like Star Wars type looking stuff. I don't know what this would look like, but all I know is that a whole bunch of heavenly hosts, angel people things up, like leave heaven and, and appear in the skies in a farm outside of this little junky town called Bethlehem. And Bethlehem was not a good place. It was, it's like reform Alabama, like somewhere you never heard of. And all of a sudden out in the field, out in the middle of nowhere, all of heaven's armies show up out in the skies and just start worshiping. Like worshiping with this holy, complete understanding of, of God's plan for the past millennia. That God had been at work and they'd, they'd been a part of it, man. They'd been worshiping in the presence of God and they, they knew that there was this plan that was coming about that, that God had set in motion from the beginning of history and had been drawing towards this moment. And the response that's given is just simple worship where all of heaven's armies come out and they just proclaim glory to God in the highest. And they're just singing praises loud. Can you imagine being the shepherd? One guy's, one angel thing's already been talking to you and you're already freaking out. And all of a sudden like this crazy, like blurry, loud thing comes out and you just hear out of the skies something praising your heavenly father. Can you imagine the roar of that? I just imagine the ground shaking under my feet. I imagine being so terrified that I'm just gonna like lay down on my face and cover my ears, like tornado position, you know what I'm saying? I imagine this, this moment being one of the most terrifying moments that you ever could have experienced. Where a multitude of the heavenly hosts appears out of heaven and just praises God with everything they've got. I want you to think about this. Really think about this, man, for like, 
thousands of years, God was bringing about a plan of rescue. For thousands of years, he was bringing about this time when he was going to send a Savior into the world. This ribbon weaves all the way across the Old Testament, all across the known history, from the garden all the way to this manger. And this moment, above any other moment, is worth all of heaven coming out and worshiping openly out in the field. That's the response, right? That's, that's the response that when, when I think about what God did for us on that night, that's the only thing that I, I really want to do. See, it's, time and time again in Greenhouse, we talk about how um, that until you've figured out how to respond to God's word, you're not done yet. That is, it's not worth just hearing facts or understanding something about scripture. Until you do something with it, you're just not done yet. We don't look at scripture as, as of something we just get to know about. It's a, it's a thing that guides us and changes our lives. Christmas is not some, uh, the, the Christmas message is not some intellectual um, thing that you just get to know and memorize and not do anything with. The fact that God sent his son here for us and, and placed him in this little manger with this lady named Mary that's going to be his mom and that God did this in this way that God, that God was going to walk among us and be just like us and understand what it was going to be like to be a teenager. Understand what it was going to be like to be a young adult and then an older adult. He was going to understand our struggles and, and be completely us and completely God at the same time. When we think about the totality of that, it's not just something that we just get to understand and move on from. It requires a response. And I think that the angels give us the perfect, the perfect picture of what the appropriate response to the Christmas story is. That in light of the Christmas story, that meant I just, I just want to honestly praise God for who he is and for what he's done. That he was able after all these, after all these years and all of our sin and all the people before us and sin, that God remained faithful to his promise. He didn't turn his back on us even though he could have. That he came for us, that he rescued us, that he sent his son here. Not just to come and be an example, but to one day die on a cross in my place. To one, one day pay the price for all of our sin. So that we could have life eternal. Sometimes I think the only response is worship. Sometimes I think the only thing that we can do with a message like that and, and uh, the magnitude of that story is, is just to worship. So as we planned Christmas Greenhouse for you this year, and we thought about the way the angels worshiped, we wanted to provide you an opportunity to worship in the same way that they did. So that's what tonight, the rest of we're, we're got a whole other set we gotta do. And we're, I, I wanted, we wanted you to have the opportunity to worship honestly like the angels. Where you just get to repeat back truth to, to God about who he is. Where you get to give all glory and honor and praise to the only one who is worthy. Where you get to stand in a room full of your peers, full of a bunch of teenagers, and you get to sing songs that um, are in your heart language, that, that speak to you. And that it's the way that, you've, uh, that, that you just feel most comfortable speaking truth to God. So that's what we're going to get to do with the remainder of our time. In light of the fact that, that God worked for millennia to bring about a Savior, and for millennia afterwards has been passing that message on to, to one day so that you could hear it. Maybe even if, if you're the first, maybe if you're hearing it for the first time tonight, that God loves you enough to send his son for you. 
That Christmas isn't about Santa Claus. It's not about giving yourself a whole bunch of gifts. It's about the fact that God sent his son for us, to die for us, to take away all of our sin and all of our shame and all of our brokenness, to restore the relationship that you and I turned away from. Maybe you're hearing it even for the first time tonight. We wanted you to have the opportunity to worship in light of those facts. So our, our band's going to come back up. Man, so in the room, we got, I think we're doing like three more songs. Um, and they're songs that most of you are really, really familiar with. So here's what I want to invite you to do. I want you to, in, in light of all that God has done, if you're a Christian in the room, in, in light of the fact that your sin has been paid for on the cross, in light of the fact that for thousands of years, God has been bringing about this savior, this rescue plan for you and for me. In light of that, man, I, I wanted you to have the opportunity to worship as truthfully as possible. And if you're not a Christian in the room, and maybe you've heard the gospel for a long, long time, and you've known this Christmas story for forever. There's never been a moment that you can remember not knowing this, but you still haven't made it your own. There is no better night to, than tonight to do that. If you've never asked Jesus to, to save you, if you've never asked him into your life, if you've never given him control of your world, you can do that tonight. See, the thing about Christmas is it is about a gift. It's not about gifts the way that we do gifts, but it's about the gift that God provided for us on Christmas night when he gave us his son. Will you accept that gift tonight? Man, if that's you, you don't, I'm not, we're not going to raise hands. We're not going to make you walk around the room or anything. If that's you and, and, and you've been familiar with that for forever and you just haven't acted on it yet, then you can do that right where you sit or right when you stand, when we're standing here singing. You can sit there and you can have a conversation with God and you can give your heart and life to him right here by yourself. I'd hope that you'd come tell one of us so we can celebrate with you, but you can do that on your own. If you're, man, if you're pretty new and, and you have questions about what this what this means. And, and dude, you thought Christmas was about some guy in a giant red suit and, and Christmas trees. And, and you have questions about whatever it is I'm talking about. I'm going to be in the back. There's like 45,000 leaders back there. They'd love to talk with you as well. But I will tell you this, that the message of Christmas requires a response. It's woefully inadequate for us to hear and know what God did for us and do nothing about it. So in light of that, I want you to stand, and I want you to worship with us. Mm.